get some of this mucus up out of me, you know. <laughs> you said yo, you yo, yo, episode 100. Welcome to the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast. My name is Deontay Epps. This is episode 100. And I would like to welcome back my best friend, my ace, my guy, my dude, my best man, Dane Beasley, return to the Duo Stuff Sports and Stuff podcast. Brother, how are you doing? How is life? I feel like I have a thousand questions for you. Actually, for the audience, you know, we talk um, every now and then, you know, you, you, you've you experienced a life-changing moment, man. How's it going? Yeah, well, first of all, it's uh, first to be black, uh, first to be back, granted to be back, um, return of the black. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> really good, man. It's uh, It's been a very, very fun, enjoyable roller coaster of a ride. Um, anytime you bring in a, a new member of the family, um, but then again, stakes are much higher. Uh, the responsibilities are are very well increased when there's two members that you welcome into your family. So, first and foremost, uh, shout out to the misses, you know, for doing all the hard work. Um, I, of course, just a cheer, merely a cheerleader in this <laughs> process. Uh, but everything's been going great, man. Uh, the twins are past their birth weight; uh, they're picking up weight. Um, Joy and Josiah, that's, those are the names we went with. And, you know, my oldest son, Langston, which is weird saying that now. My oldest son, <laughs> he's, he's handling like a champ, being helpful. Uh, according to him, those are, those, those are his kids. So the picture you, you know. sent me, bro, is that Dane sent me a picture of Langston with his, uh, baby brother and sister. And he has his arm up above him. Like he's like so proud of the work that he's done. Yeah. Uh, and when you get older now, I'll tell you about that. But for now, yeah. So, but he, but he's doing good, man. And and then of course my uh, my aunt, no, yeah, my my hugest shout out goes to the family, uh, niece's family. They've been you know stepping in to help and just be around to help us, uh, whether it's holding babies so we can take a nap, you know, washing dishes, folding clothes, bringing us food. So you know, family members have been a huge help for that, and then just anybody that's you know giving a shout out or just you know thoughts and prayers for us because it's 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 a task, but you know we're we're in it for the the ride and all the memories and experiences that, that we can uh, gain on the way. But it's been fun, man. That, it's, look, I I'd encourage anybody, any any <laughs> any two um, willing adults that may or may not be in a relationship, if they you know want to venture down the path of uh, child, you know bringing children into this world, uh, try experimenting with kids that you can return first. Um, that, that'd be my first piece of advice and my last piece of advice. So you know, that's, that's it for me. Um, how, look, how are things on the outside world? I mean, yeah. keep, I try to keep an ear on a few things sports related, but for yeah. the most part, it's been just hey, glimpses man. here and there. You know, you know how you say, man, you ain't missing nothing out here, bro. <laughs> I did want to ask you, like, you know, before we kind of talked about your sleep schedule, but how is it, how is it now that you've got not one, not two, (laughs) three children? Like, how's that sleep schedule work? Is it getting better? Like I could, I could only imagine like, just, I think I texted you one time. You're like, bro, I woke up for like 15 minutes or, you know, just like these 15 minute shifts of sleep. It's interesting, bro, because Langston still stays on his schedule. You know, wake him up at 6, uh, 15, 6, 10 to get ready for school, drop him off at school, pick him up from school around 4 o'clock, um, you know, get home, eat, shower, raise my kid, talk to him, and then he goes down to bed at 8 o'clock. 
the Twins, they're up eating every two or three hours, right? And with that, just trying to make sure that one, diapers change, two, um, diapers change, two, that they're fed, and three, that you know, you interact with them and talk with them and stuff. And in the process, of course, try to get some sort of sleep. So I think on the, during the first week, it was, I think, literally maybe two, maybe three hours of sleep. Uh, and, you know, every 24 hours or so, but it was more so just because trying to get those routines down and keep them both on the same schedule. Yeah. The one thing that we've heard from multiple, you know, parents that have, you know, twins and things like that, keeping them on the same schedule. And you, my, my own sister, my, my little sister, Leah, she has a set of twins and she's, she's always the same thing before they got here. Yeah. Keep them on the same schedule. So, you know, that's sleep as sleep. The sleep will come. And it's the one thing that you can't get back. Like the mm-hmm. one thing in life, you can always make more money. You can always get more jobs. You can always buy another car. That's the one thing you can never get back is more sleep. So that's just one of the things you just, you know, you have to tough it out and go on autopilot and just be very careful um, that you're awake during all of your tasks, especially like driving. Because I've seen horror stories of people like like driving, but like not awake because of, you know, sleep deprivation. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's up, man. And I just want to say again, I'm proud of you guys and, um, Especially my, actually, I talked to my dad yesterday, and uh-huh. he asked about you guys, and he was like, "Man, just tell Nisi she's a warrior, man." Like, <laughs> she's um, a and warrior. I can man, yeah, it's warrior. Uh, From the number of, one Carolina Panthers fan, she's gonna, be, yeah. she's gonna appreciate that so much. Yeah. Whenever you listen to this, Mr. Epps, whether that's in three or four months from now, or maybe even, <laughs> maybe even three or four days from now, since he should be caught up by now. We'll see. Ain't no <laughs> telling. Ain't no telling, man. But yeah, I'll, to... I'll make sure to, i make sure to send you some more pictures you can uh, forward them yeah. to your parents. Um, For sure. So they can see yeah, they love, yeah. they love those last ones you sent me, man. Uh, and uh, yeah, bro, just uh, happy, happy for you guys, obviously happy for your family. Everything's going well. Salute to you guys. 1000% because I couldn't even imagine like being in that situation. I know you have to do it, obviously, because it's your kids, but it's not easy. So you're under an obligation, not because we're on wax, but you know, you have to be a somewhat reputable father. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be. (laughs) You're their father. Um, But yeah, just salute to you guys, bro. Um, Happy you're back. Um, Episode 100, man. We, We finally made it to the destination. I put on social media, like, it's hard to do something 100 times like and <laughs> really. I, I salute you know to everybody that's been rocking with us and i'll say it probably throughout the podcast and true um we started this thing back in 2019 and we still rocking had some dope yeah. guests um excited for what the next 100 is gonna is gonna uh look like for us but yeah bro just wanted to say salute to you on 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 this partnership on this uh Journey, duo journey, my guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I flew back home, Dane, yesterday, day before yesterday, to a Super snowstorm. I don't know if you knew that, but it's one of makes this toys in that Exactly. Look, throwing this prop away. Exactly. Left the. Uh, the sunny and 85 degree weather in Florida. Uh, Karina and I went to Disney World for about four days. Mm. Two of her friends were running in like this Disney marathon. Nice. Back to back days, they ran like a, a 10K and then a half marathon. I'm like, how are y'all doing this? Then they went so to the parks with us. Y'all willingly went to a public execution. 
Yeah. That's well, what it sounds like. I didn't like the racers were at like five AM. So we were knocked out sleep while they went out, but salute, <laughs> salute to them for that. You know, I just went to, for the parks and uh, incredible rides. But since since you and I, like, I went with you and your family way back in the day, bro. They've obviously <laughs> they've changed a few things. <laughs> they've added so much stuff. They added a new ride. Still um, got Space Mountain over there. Still got Space Mountain. Okay, cool. Um, but my new favorite ride is probably the new Guardians of the Galaxy comic rewind. It's really? like it opened in mid to twenty twenty one. Okay. Um, but I tweeted like, man, I wish there were more Marvel stuff at Disney, but uh at Disneyland in California there's like a whole Avengers campus with stuff, but oh. um Disney was fun, man. Um enjoyed myself like a little kid, obviously. And um but I was saying the we flew back Friday or excuse me, what's today? Today is, Today is Wednesday morning. So we flew back Monday night uh-huh. and we were trying to beat the snowstorm. If people don't know, there's a snowstorm in the in on, the uh on both coasts. On both West co- and oh, east. Bro, how crazy is that? Hey man. <laughs> you know with like your mom and grandma used to say back in the day when stuff goes wild, like, oh baby, it's, it's the end of time. <laughs> You better be prepared. You better be prepared. He's coming back. Are you ready for the return? <laughs> because if you're not, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we beat the snowstorm home. Thank God. But I woke up yesterday morning having to shovel snow uh, off our sidewalk and driveway because um, mm. we have to, like, as a part of the the city thing, like to have a clear walkway city for ordinance. people. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so I say we got about. Five, six inches of snow yesterday. Um, but thank God I didn't have to go anywhere. Uh I was working from home yesterday, but um the weather has just been something else. Like specifically in Connecticut, it's it hasn't been it's been a mild winter. Like when we moved here, people were telling us how it's gonna be like a crazy winter and now that we've had a mild winter, or should I say January, February Everybody's saying like March is gonna be crazy, and um, so far it has been crazy. Isn't good crazy or crazy isn't like worse? Like crazy as in worse. Like since since we had a mild January and February, the people that have lived here say, "Oh, that means March is gonna be crazy." <laughs> April, there's gonna be a random day on Easter where it, we get like five inches of snow. It's just weird, but um. I'm hoping that it, it continues to stay mild. One thing I am excited about, uh, I want to say it's next weekend, dang. I'm going to look that up. Daylight Savings Time is ending. Mm. Uh, is that spring forward, right? March March 12th, yeah. Is we get our hour forward? back. Okay. An extra hour of daylight. Um, so I'm thankful for that. For all you day walkers out there. Yeah. Um, Dane, I don't know if, I, if, if you did this already. Uh-oh. Um taxes no (laughs) very important i hope you guys did your taxes uh i put in our notes about general homeboy oh the combine you ready for that it's been a long time i'm always ready baby it's it's combine week and we cannot go without bringing back our guy it's time for general
haven't played that in a very long time. Man. Shout out to Keith for producing. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, 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 Shout out to Keith. Shout out to Keith with the general home. But we have so like on my soundboard, I have literally all the different sounds he's created for us. And like it could be that a legit could be a legit mixtape. The like the duo mixtape of yeah, beats and sounds. sounds elevator yeah. music. Facts. Um like a little James Bond theme from the 64 from the in the main Facts. Facts. Uh dang, it's combine week. Um this is like I, I know for you, this is like one of the times where you're like really locked in. You love looking at the prospects coming into the NFL. Um, who are you looking at? Who what guys that maybe like people aren't really talking about that's kind of on your radar, maybe for the Cowboys or just in general? Mm, just in general. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Woo Brother, how much time do you have? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, this was one of the more difficult segments because I try to narrow down just on two people, one on offense, one on defense, just for the sake of somebody you can keep your eyes on for two reasons. One, selfishly, someone I hope uh, that the Cowboys target. And then two, unselfishly, someone that you can keep an eye on for the next few years, you know, just going down the road. One of the media guys that comes to mind for me that we shouted out a long time ago. This is how long we've been doing this. A long mm-hmm. time ago. Um, Talanoa Hufanga from the 49ers. We talked about him on, well, I think this is before we actually gave it an official name, the general yeah. homeboy segment a long time ago. Uh, and he, you know, was one of the pillars of that 49ers defense. Mini uh, Palomalu. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's saying a lot of great things because Troy was such a phenomenal player and his, the mystique behind who he was, like his, the gentleness behind the character, people cussing him out on offense. Like TJ Houthanzada has a very, very funny story about the time he, you know, essentially told Troy that he hit like, you know, uh, he hit like, he he hits like an inexperienced person. Right. And Troy's, Troy hit him with the, God bless you. And it's like, you're supposed to be mad at me. You're supposed to like, you know, knock my head off the next play. And TJ, who's out, he stays by like, I've never been more, you know, respectful and fearing of a, of a person after that. But in that same vein, there are two people, one of which is on offense. One is a quarterback. One is probably going to be drafted in the top five. If, if I had to guess, probably one of the first quarterbacks drafted. Uh, Bryce Young. I, the story behind this young man is incredible. Um, the awareness that he has, the arm talent that he has, and his pocket mobility and pocket presence is phenomenal. The question, the, the reason why he's a topic of discussion right now is because people, again, we're back to that century, millennium-long <laughs> argument of, well, he's just not tall enough to play the, to play the position. I'm like, this is so annoying. Do you we think that's a fair, a, fair, a fair argument, though, only because we've seen in the past, I'm, I'm being devil's advocate here. Sure. Um, in the past, where we've seen the fragility of quarterbacks, so to speak, uh, mm. I think he got hurt this year for one game, maybe. Remember, he got hit and fell on his shoulder. And I know yeah. a lot of teams are probably scared off one because of what happened with Tua Tagovailoa. Um, mm. Not only the concussions, but like he had a shoulder issue um, in the NFL. He's had injuries with his shoulder and things like that. Is it fair, I guess, to say, to have these 
um, question, so to speak, due to his size because of what can come from playing the quarterback position in the league? I think it's I think it's fair, but you have to understand this is the most violent sport known to mankind, right? So the injuries are expected. Shoot, going all the way back to Pee Wee, injuries are expected. We know the risks that that we put ourselves into when we play this game. The the impact that it has on our body from having several car crashes in the span of, you know, four quarters. Like, we understand that. However, this game is changing. We are in the space where there are literal defensive ends who are 250, 265 pounds that, are, that should not be running 4-3, 4-4 speed. Do you it's crazy. Really... Every, every year, bro, every it seems year. like... It's getting more ridiculous with how fast these big men are. Right. And statistics tell us, based on draft profiles, this is, you know, combine results and, and outcomes, that the most athletic positions in NFL history are defensive ends and linebackers. The least athletic positions in all of the NFL, quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers. So what does this tell you? Let me say, Let me break it down to you. It's important to consider quarterbacks like Bryce Young because, one, mobility. The days are long gone of the quarterbacks that are not able to escape pressure, that are not, they're not able to climb the pocket, are not able to extend the play with their feet, either you know getting the first down with their legs or scrambling out of the pocket, avoiding pressure, avoiding would-be sacks, and then finding your guy across the middle in the back of the end zone or you know yeah. on the fly for the first down or in, you know, for the end zone in the touchdown. That, that is the reality. We saw how the, the, the Super Bowl played out Two, they're not super athletic quarterbacks, but two mobile, very, very aware pocket awareness wise, very aware quarterbacks be very successful because of their ability to navigate the pocket and use their legs to either gain first downs or gain touchdowns. So to me, it's it's fair. It's a fair criticism, but at the same time, we have to remember there have been plenty and countless, 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 countless times that the NFL has latched onto these six foot five, six foot four, prototypical type quarterbacks. He just looks the part and have done nothing in the league. Right. So my counter to that is what what do you have to lose? This is a billion dollar industry. The NFL still has no freaking idea what makes a good quarterback and what makes a bad quarterback. Otherwise, you wouldn't have fourth round picks, you wouldn't have seventh round picks, and you wouldn't have undrafted guys, and you wouldn't have guys coming from alternative football leagues coming to your league and putting on the show. Because why? If your 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 institution or your organization is so good at what they are or so good at what they do and they're supposed to be the the you know bread of the basket, the top of the line, how is it so difficult in year one hundred to freaking identify what makes a good quarterback and what makes a bad quarterback based on college tape and based on combine measurables? Don't worry, I will wait. Mm-hmm. We have no idea, and the NFL doesn't have an idea. Until we have an idea, until we have a, a semblance of idea of how to identify great caliber quarterbacks versus not great quarterbacks, anything goes. And for me, height goes out the window. It, it doesn't matter. If you can throw the ball, if you can make the right reads, if you can lead and command your offense, I don't care how tall he is. To your To your point. Yeah, to your point about the 6'5 quarterbacks, I agree that now I think the proto- prototypical quarterback is what we see with a Jalen Hurts, obviously what we mm-hmm. see with Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback that can move around in the pocket mm-hmm. and make plays 
scramble with his feet and not only scramble to get a first down, but scramble and looking downfield to make throws. I think that's what a lot of teams um, desperately, desperately want and need. Um, I think those six, five Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type quarterbacks that are more pocket passers mm-hmm. um, that are very dependent on an offensive line to protect them. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't depend on that anymore. I, no. I, I would it's say an unless, anomaly now. It's, yeah, it's, unless it's, unless it's you have exception. four or five Pro Bowlers on that offensive line that you right. know are not going to allow anybody to get a hand on that quarterback. I think a lot of teams. That's why you see a Bryce Young at the top of the board. That's why you see mm-hmm. a CJ Stroud at the top of the board. Um, Anthony Richardson, I've seen up and down that board. Uh, I think Will Levis, who has yeah. uh, somewhat mobility, you know what I'm saying, on top of the board. He's a tank too. Yeah, Will is a tank. for all the hate that I have towards Will, Will is a tank, and I think he'll be successful at the next level because of the impact that he has as a runner. And you can't take that guy down first contact; it's just not happening. Right. But to your point, you don't even have to be small. You don't even have to be big. The the thing that we've seen, especially in the NFL playoffs this year, mobility. Yeah, every, almost every single one mm-hmm. of those quarterbacks has the ability to scramble, make something happen, or or break tackles. By the way of, I don't the, know, great the ability, the ability of mobility, <laughs> yeah, the ability of mobility, exactly. So it, it's it's and again, we're seeing it more and more. These quarterbacks are getting quicker and faster, and it's that's just what it's going to be. Um, your Justin Herberts, your yeah. Joe Burrows, your you know your Bryce Youngs, your yeah. your I mean I I know he doesn't go by that name anymore. I thought it was such a dope name. AR fifteen. Um, the, so the sources so, hashtag sources came out and said that the Bears are leaning towards trading that first round or excuse me. I hope I hope they get the bag from somebody. I really do yeah. because that offense I mean, of course, not because he's from the Ohio State University, but that offense because he's a young quarterback. Yeah, like I never quarterback. I never got I mean, I guess I can get it a little bit because you have great prospects coming up in Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. But without um, Justin Fields last season, the team doesn't win a game. (laughs) Like, he kept them in a lot of games, whether they won or lost in the end. But a lot of those games that they lost, they were only in it because he was making crazy, you know, magnificent runs. Now, he could get better as a passer, obviously. But I think if you surround him... That's a given. He has to get better as a pass. I think he knows. And the great thing is he knows he's very self-aware quarterback, uh, yeah. young player. The thing that the Chicago that the Chicago the thing that Chicago has to do is continue to put premium picks behind him to make yeah. sure that that offense continues to flow. Because regardless of how great you are a quarterback or how you know horrible you are a quarterback, you need weapons. You need people to protect. You need behemoths that are you know six foot five and three hundred and fifteen pounds and run four eights right. that can protect your blind side. So. They get him some some more, you know, credible pass catchers or, or you know, pass blockers. I think he'll we'll see some more leaps and bounds from him. But that goes for any quarterback. the The draft is all about circumstance. Yeah, we've seen time and time again how great, magnificent quarterbacks get drafted to horrible teams because, of course, draft order dictates that, and nothing happens, and we consider them busts because of their their no type of premium capital is used to fortify their offensive needs. So. Yeah. And that's you know that's all I'm gonna say about that one. <clears throat> yeah, who you got? Who you got on the other side? So on the other side, this one was a little difficult because there are so many amazing athletes, and I say athletes very intentionally. Defense is going to be running laps around offenses for years to come, and I only say this because these guys are only getting bigger and they're only getting faster. One of the more beautiful things that 
takes place during the the combine is we get to see amazing guys that from these amazing backgrounds do crazy and extraordinary things. But I decided to go with somebody who's middle of the pack, kind of average guy, just because he's in, he's going to be a standout amongst uh, amongst his peers, who of course are going to get recognition because they happen to be six foot three and six foot four corners that run four threes, four fours, and can play you know press man, cover two, like they they can do it all. So. Without further ado, I'm going with, on the defensive side, I'm going to cornerback from Mississippi State, Emmanuel Forbes Jr. So, this guy's average high corner. I mean, and that's saying something because because corners haven't always been, you know, six foot, six foot one, six foot two. You know, more of your smaller guys, 5'11", and it's not that, you know, it's not that significant, you know, a few inches, uh, pause. But he, <laughs> we're, we, we need to confirm what we see on the tape. He's... A pick six machine. He's, you know, very, very sticky fingers. He's got great ball skills. But the thing that makes NFL evaluation great is one, looking at the tape, how they perform versus their highs and their lows versus good and bad teams. And then two, confirming what you see on the tape by their measurables and the way that they perform in the combine. So I want to see how he runs. We know that he has great short, you know, short area quickness because of the way that he's taking the ball out of receivers' hands as if. He is running the routes for the receivers on, you know, a lot of the picks that he has are, you know, short and intermediate routes. So I want to see how he performs on some of those, some of those more impactful drills, not named the 40 yard dash. That's easy. Anybody can train to run the 40 yard dash unless, you know, your name is Deontay Epps or Dane Beasley. You can't do that. But I want to see how he performs on that. I want to see how he performs on the field drills, just in comparison to everyone else. I want to see those the smooth hips and transition and, and, and the backpedal and all those other uh, defensive drills that we love watching so much that is now of this billion dollar uh, machine also he has an opportunity to shoot up the, you know shoot up the draft boards and he might he might be a top 100 pick he might not be but we've seen a number of times in the past most recently that comes to mind for me uh, and I'm again I'm just gonna take it back to the Cowboys just because of, you know why not Byron Jones Byron Jones was just essentially another safety with UConn and he had an amazing extraordinary day at the combine and of course his draft stock went bananas obviously the Cowboys had him playing out of position for like two seasons and then that's so realized. sad about him man did you yeah. see that yeah man it's ridiculous which makes this more more of a more of a, uh, an essential and valuable point for me <clears throat> Cowboys had him playing out of position for two years and like wait a minute this dude's not a safety he's a freaking cornerback and you know he say what you want about his lack of ball skills <laughs> but he was he was a lockdown corner, um, but you know now, unfortunately, with the circumstances regarding his NFL career, we're, we're unsure what that's going to bring. But I'm I'm glad we have the opportunity to hear someone hear from someone as vocal as him about the way that athletes are mismanaged and mishandled, and when it comes to their health um, and and you know corrective procedures, whether that's right. some shots, whether that's something that you know shouldn't be done. Uh, or should be done, but just the long-term effects. I mean, and I'm not a medical professional because I, I can't speak to that. I can only base, go off of secondary sources um, or, you know, primary accounts in that way. But I can't say whether it's rhyme or reason, or I can't say for any rhyme or reason whether it's fact or fiction because I'm not a medical professional. But by and large, Byron Jones is one of the more intelligent people in the NFL, says one thing and is very vocal about it, and he hasn't had a history of being vocal about things like this before. I kind of take reason to listen to it. So, yeah. This is an opportunity for Emmanuel Forbes Jr. to show out and go off the draft boards, but there are going to be a ton of cornerbacks 
who have very and, freakish height to yeah. do some amazing things in this NFL that they're they're a need. Premium and, picks. And to that point, like the way that the rookie cornerbacks this past class played, like teams are gonna try to find that. Like Sauce mm-hmm. Gardner played incredible. You had Jack Jones from he's the built Patriots. Like Sauce, yeah, by the way, not as tall, but he's built slender, just like slender. Him. Yeah, um, you had quick. Sauce. You had Jack Jones from the Patriots. Uh, Tariq Woolen. Tariq yeah. Woolen from the yeah. Seattle. Um, Kobe Bryant, I think, uh, from the Seahawks as well. I think he played for the Seahawks. Am I right? He played for the Cincinnati. Or am I making that up? I need to look it up real quick. He played for Cincinnati because um, he spelled with a C O B E, right? Or C O B? No, he, yeah, he's with the Seahawks. I was right. Okay. I can't remember was he was in Cincy or not. Sorry, my bad. And then uh, Derek Stingley Jr. played well for that Texans defense. Imagine what they're going to do now, now that they have uh, D'Amico Ryans. That defense was, the you know, the strength of that team. And with D'Amico, right. he has like – he's like a little kid at the candy store, like with the young – with that young group. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Dane, that uh, – um, I really agree with how I feel like the corners are going to be like – a spot that a lot of teams look at looking for that next uh gym, so to speak. Yeah. So and the beautiful thing about it is of course if you're you know, if you like watching Combine and just keeping up with it, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh Sunday, March the second through March the fifth, you'll be able to to watch all of that take place. And it's you know, it's it's just a fun opportunity to watch the lives of three hundred or so people change by, you know, the way that they perform on these yep. drills. So yep. yeah. The on-field workouts for the D linemen and linebackers start tomorrow, Thursday, March second. Uh, on-field workouts for the DBs are March third. On-field workouts for quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends March fourth, and then O linemen and running back on-field workouts are March fifth. Um, yeah, and you can find all that out on NFL Network, all that good stuff. Um, Dane, we have talked about the offseason and how there are always these contract debates. Um, the big one, obviously, this year, besides we're not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers because we're <laughs> tired of talking about Aaron Rodgers. But uh, another big quarterback that is... Question, kinda, before, you, before you continue with that, yeah. how long do you think the conversation goes if Kyrie walks into a bar and Aaron Rodgers is there? Oh, that's the longest conversation. <laughs> they probably already talked to each other, man. <laughs> oh, probably yeah, already okay. talked to each other. My bad. I didn't mean to throw us off like that. No. I was like, yeah, two very polarizing people <laughs> who have very interesting uh, things that they say and do. And it's just like, yeah, very interesting. Those two. My bad. My bad. Back to your point. My um, bad. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he didn't finish the season. Um, playing he was injured uh i think he missed like the last six games including the playoffs um he bet on himself going into the season they talked about contract negotiations for a while before the season important to note he doesn't have an agent which is kind of playing a role with there's no like mediation how it usually is with an agent uh, and a player and a team Um, but reports are kind of saying that they're millions apart on a deal um and for for me, just I think, and we talked about it before we started recording. Like, I I think it's so hard to find a legit quarterback in the league. They don't go like, on trees. One that you can trust. Like, I can go win a championship with this quarterback. Um, I think you can name a few off the top in the AFC. Uh, Patrick Mahomes for sure. Joe Burrow. 
um, Josh Allen, like Ooh. not saying that you can go, like you have a chance to go win a championship in my opinion. Like right. they play, they have times where they play like elite level quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Obviously Patrick Mahomes has proved that with two Super Bowl wins. Um, I think Lamar Jackson's in that category. Right. Um, and for them to, I think, Obviously, it's a, the business side of it, but to me, if I'm in that building, there's like there's no way I am not kind of trying to lock Lamar Jackson up as my franchise quarterback. Like, I I, I just don't get how uh, this type of player who has been keeping your team, you know, relevant and in the playoff hunt and making these playoff runs year in and year out. Obviously, not this year because he finished you know he didn't finish the season but what do you think Dane about this situation does it get resolved uh does Lamar Jackson get traded um I I don't think he gets traded but I don't know man what do you think I I enjoy chaos but I also enjoy player empowerment and in my youth it always was very selfish and very it it shoved down our throats in the media like how players are selfish if they don't take a you know, pick a smaller contract in order to help, you know, team building. Well, in recent years, I'd say the last 15 years, my my whole uh, process and thought, my whole thoughts about that has changed. Like, it's not a player's job to do an owner, a general manager, or a team a favor to take a pay cut so that they can, I don't know, do part of their job and helping their, um, helping their employer be able to afford everybody else. It's not their job to do that, right? It's their job to use their talent, to lead their team, to maximize opportunities to win the Super Bowl, right? So here's my thoughts on it. How important is your quarterback? One question. How many resources do you, how much resources and and capital, whether it's draft or just cap space, do you commit to ensuring that your quarterback has what they need to be successful? Okay. Three, how well has your quarterback performed? MVPs? all pro listings, just flat out being the best player in general. And I'm not even going to mention, because it's not a QB stat, it's a team stat. Wins and losses, that's a, that's a that's a team stat. You can say fourth quarter comebacks, maybe that's you know quarterback stat, whatever. But the impact that a quarterback has on team. We had a good opportunity to see what the Ravens look like without Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Quarterbacks don't grow on trees. We know this. They're not, again, this is a league that's, there's 32 teams. There are not 32 quarterbacks. There are not 32 good quarterbacks. We're lucky if we see 12 or 15, right? I think Lamar Jackson is among the elite quarterbacks. I'd say a a top seven, top eight quarterback in the league because of what he's capable of doing and because of what his ceiling shows. I don't think he's reached the, the top of his game yet. A lot of the decisions that go on with him making a deal or signing a deal might have to do with historical context, the Deshaun Watson deal. What kind of quarterback is willing to sign a deal that's inferior to that deal? One, because of the guaranteed money, okay? Two, because of, I mean, whether you want to talk about it or not, the off the field versus on the field, you know, contributions. Um, How rusty this dude looked after coming back from essentially a – however long, you know, game suspension, whether it's self-imposed or not. Anywho, Lamar, get your money. 
I hope you get you know the money that you desire just for this not even for the sake of security but for the sake of respect. I say respect because in the last four years, in terms of money committed to offensive production or just offenses in general, the Baltimore Ravens are dead last in the NFL. The last four years, two hundred sixty-three million dollars that are committed to their offense. What is the number one team? Or let's go with the let's go with the number one through five teams in terms of the amount of money committed to, um, you know, providing your offense uh, or providing you know capital to your offense. Talk to him. And this is shout out to, to Warren Shark to put this all together. I came across this a few days ago. But number one, the Indianapolis Colts. Number two, the Dallas Cowboys. Number three, Green Bay Packers. Number four, Tampa Bay Bucks. And number five, Cleveland Browns. All five of those teams have committed well over $390 million over just the last four years, whereas the Baltimore Ravens saw fit to only fork over $263 million to that offense. What does that say? He has nobody to go to throw the ball for. Yeah. He has nobody to go to in a in a pinch. He has nobody to go to if he, he needs a guy to yeah. get that inch. If your best weapon, I mean, is Mark Andrews and – you know, Mark Andrews is a great player, um, tough tight end, but you don't want him as your number one option. Nah. They brought in, like, Deshaun Jackson. You know, Deshaun Jackson's at the end of his career. He hasn't had. 12, maybe. Yeah, he hasn't, to that point, he hasn't had that um, number one uh, target that you give to your franchise quarterback, a la, like, Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs. Um, you know, those, Brown, AJ Brown, Justin exactly. Jefferson, exactly. He doesn't have one of those guys. Um, so they got rid of their offensive coordinator, uh, Greg Roman, got Todd Munkin, um, <laughs> and apparently Lamar Jackson was a part of that process. So I'm assuming yes. they're still trying to work on a deal. But I saw the Atlanta Falcons cut Marcus Mariota yesterday, and uh, <laughs> those uh. Those Lamar Jackson uh, mock-ups in that Atlanta Falcons uniform look pretty, pretty damn good, man. We talked about this a few podcasts ago, how my outlandish assumption that he might end up in Atlanta would just be kind of fun to see. Just yeah. Get a second opportunity. Right. To give them. To make things right. Right. Like, give them throwback to the Michael Vick era. Mm-hmm. Like, that that would put the city on fire. Right. Like, I would like that. Like, I don't, I don't, I think Baltimore somehow, you know, I think Lamar Jackson loves Baltimore. I think mm-hmm. um, the city loves him, and I think he loves the city. And in the very end, I think they come to some kind of agreement where he stays there. They better hope so. But it, it's it's getting, you know, March. The league year starts in March, and we're in March now, so we'll see We'll see what happens there, man. Oh, no, Atlanta, they pick eighth. So they they might be in the market to great to get a quarterback or even yeah. move up. Well, that they, one pick is still on those they drafted the Desmond Ritter last year, and he played he played a little bit in the season. I don't. I think they still bring in. I think for them they might try to bring in a vet, um, maybe like a Derek Carr or somebody like that. I haven't heard or him Carson visiting. Wentz. Oh Lord, that man is. As you say, Dane, that man's cook buns <laughs> buns. Dumps juice. Hey, but he getting the bread. You, you know, regard. You can say what you want. The man's been with three different teams in three years. So what? He's he's getting his bread. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing you can, you know. At this point. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll 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 keep an eye on Lamar Jackson and see how see how that turns out in the off season. For 
But now it's time for. Again, nerdy news segment brought to you by Shout out the Kid. Dane, we left off last time you and I were together on the pod at episode four of The Last of Us. So I think it's best like if I give like a little glimpse of what happened in each episode. <laughs> a little, little rerun. Yeah, so kind of like in the pod 40 minutes but in. Wait, it's a screamer. <laughs> uh first we'll start off with episode five. Which sees Ellie and um, Joel needing the help of Henry and what is Henry's brother's name? Sam. Uh, and basically, in this episode, uh, they all form a bond um, and try to plan an escape from Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City. We know that they're trying to get away from Kathleen who was like the leader of this little <clears throat> section of Kansas city. Um, we find out her brother was murdered. Um, and she's trying to avenge that justified, of course, justified. And this episode introduced us to the craziest, uh, not villain monster that we encountered during the game, the bloater. Um, this is probably one of the, the shag most, version of a zombie. Most walking deadish episode where we see a bunch of uh they're not even called walkers. What are they called in this show? Uh some about clickers? Clickers and bloaters. Um it's a it's a tough episode in the end because you see Sam, Henry's little brother, ends up getting Spoiler bit. alert. Spoiler alert, thank you, Dane. Ends up getting bit. Uh and <laughs> ends up getting bit and basically Joel has to uh finish Sam off and um Henry who has lo- just lost his brother um kills himself and it's a it's a pretty sad ending uh, especially to see how Ellie had got close to Sam and they become a huge bond but as we know in this as we've seen in this show and experience in the game that like loss happens so quickly and not to get too attached to certain characters and things of that nature. Um, that's a quick synopsis of episode five, episode six, we see Joel and Ellie uh, push towards Wyoming. Cause they're looking for Joel's brother, Tommy. Uh, they end up finding Tommy and Joel, they embrace, obviously, and Joel lets Tommy know about Ellie's status and how she can't get infected, and he's trying to get her to the certain set of fireflies that can, they still think they can help, you know, find a cure. Um, and so they find Tommy in Wyoming, and he has this nice settlement in Jackson, Wyoming. Um, the closest Dane we've seen to civilization um, in, in any episode so far, I think. Um and so we see where Joel is kind of having these panic attacks, anxiety attacks, where he believes 
through the commentary of the directors of the show, like he is nervous about losing Ellie the same way he lost his own daughter. And so he kind of asked Tommy to take Ellie um, to the Fireflies to get the cure. Um, and you see Ellie kind of resent that because she's feeling like she he's the only thing that she can trust and believe in. Um, and so they decide, or Joel decides that he's going to take Ellie after meeting with Tommy to, and excuse me, Tommy gives them advice on where to go and things of that nature. But at the end of this episode, they kind of get ambushed by these random Raiders and the episode ends with Joel getting stabbed. Um, and then episode seven, Dane is like, said it's so matter of fact, Oh, Joel got stabbed and Joel got stabbed. <laughs> and then episode seven, Mm-hmm. we see is kind of like the DLC of the last of us called left behind where we kind of see Ellie's backstory with mm-hmm. uh, Riley. Um, and we kind of get her background of how she, you know, became Ellie, so to speak. Um, and so this episode kind of shows the story between um, Ellie and her close friend Riley and, Riley basically says she became a firefly and how they want to liberate the quarantine zone and things of that nature. Um, but we see also flashback from like to that moment and also the present day where Joel is literally dying and Ellie is trying to figure out how to save him. And at the end of the episode, based on what we see from Ellie throughout the flashback with Riley, she doesn't want to give up on Joel so she searches and searches and finds some equipment to kind of stitch him up a little bit uh, before the episode ends. I tried to wrap it up as best I could. That was kind of difficult. But what did you think, Dane, of episodes five, six, and seven? <clears throat> you can jump around. What What's kind of how are you feeling about these these I, episodes? I will actually go in sequential order. I'll ahead, start bro. with five and go to six and then, of course, close it with seven. <laughs> so... The beautiful thing about episode five was it deviated slightly from the source material from the video game. Video game, the relationship. Ooh, excuse me. The relationship between uh, the two brothers was phenomenal. Um, Henry, not only Henry's actor or the actor that played Henry, but the actor that played Sam as well, both did phenomenal jobs in terms of bringing those characters to life and the added story or context behind what makes them so unique or makes their their bond and his commitment to his brother, to his younger brother, so unique. Uh, I, I think they fleshed it, fleshed it out. They allowed it, they fleshed it out very well. The beautiful thing, one of the more beautiful things from that episode, aside from the way that it ended and them sticking to the source material is one of the quotes, I think, Henry, if I remember, Wait, Henry's the older brother, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm mixing it. Okay, yep. Henry's the older brother. He, he said, <clears throat> he was talking to Joel, and you could see the the tears in, I mean, he didn't cry, but you could see the tears and the emotion in Joel's eye after he said, he said, you may not be her dad, but you're, you were someone's dad. Yeah. And it hit Joel like, no, no, no. And the denial was immediately, no, she's just a mission. I just have to take her to so-and-so. And then the realization that, wait a minute, I am growing more emotionally connected to this, you know, this young kid that I'm taking care of. I'm, you know, it's not just business anymore. It's personal. This is family now. So that was beautiful. The way that it all ended, very sad. But the last 10 minutes, it just continued to paint towards, regardless of this being in this 
apocalyptic zombie kind of world that Ellie's innocence was on full display. Her trying to save Sam um, after he was bitten or after he showed that she was bitten. It, it, just one of those things like the, the curiosity of a kid or just the intentionality of a kid and, and them trying to do defy logic to, to save somebody or to try to do something. It was just very impressive and very emotional, right? So that was that was amazing. That was a very great episode in terms of them pulling at the the audience's, you know, heartstrings. That was great. Episode number six, when you finally see Joel reunited with his brother Tommy and there's his, you know, gasping for air kind of yelp to his brother. Mm-hmm. Tommy! Mm-hmm. Like that was just like like he was like, man, okay, cool. And you know he was eventually gonna find him because right. he played the video game, you know, how that went. So I'm I'm glad that it went that way and it was even beautiful just to see how this community was thriving and flourish. Um and then the realization that Tommy when Tommy realized that <clears throat> Tommy realized the entire place that he lived at was operating under a, the guise of communism was amazing. Like <laughs> like especially with the way Maria put it and it's like you could see like the whole you could see the point where Tommy realized wait I am a communist. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Tommy the commie. So that was, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of funny just seeing how that played out and then just the role that Tommy plays in Joe's redemption. I think the process the process of Joe's redemption and, and realizing who he is and what he is, the atrocities that he's committed. Like this is that point where John Joe, John, I want to keep calling him John, it's Joe. Joe finally comes to terms with some of the with a lot of the things that he's done, both Health-wise, because of the panic attacks, right? This company's starting to take a, take a toll on him. And the two, he's starting to have, he's being forced to think about it because yeah. this isn't the same little brother that's going to do exactly what I tell him to do. This little brother that's, he has a soul now because he, again, he sees that there are more than one way of doing things and surviving. And this is the way he put it. The things that we did, the things that they did, they weren't necessary. There were other ways to do it. They just... They did them out of, you know, fear. So seeing Joel come full circle with, you know, some of his shortcomings and some of the atrocities that he and a number of other people were responsible for was was a beautiful thing just because it's it's it serves as the the point of accountability, right? Yeah. Because he has to admit that. <clears throat> part of him part of him admitting is that he's better is that Ellie is better off with someone else other right. than him. And that leads me to episode seven. He got shanked. He got <laughs> shanked. We got stabbed. Uh, Ellie, we see Ellie grow up in the blink of an eye with the flashback, and it sucks because we and we watch we watched you for it before, right? Yep. Okay, so we get to see this character. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I gotta find the young lady's name because I always uh, Storm Reed. Storm Reed. You get to see Storm Reed's character yet again <clears throat> look dead into a camera and cry for a number of yeah. minutes because of the acts of someone else not including her, right? So it's like, dang, you've been through this already because your sister's on drugs and doing all these things. Yeah. Now you're in this situation because the girl that you love and you, both of y'all, got bit and you're probably going to die. Well, at the time, she thought she was going to die. Well, she definitely don't die. She didn't know Ellie wasn't going to die because Ellie was immune. But simply because of the curiosity that you had to try to get back to her and try to rekindle this flame that you had because y'all had so much 
y'all have gone through so much. It's kind of just like, dang, if you would have just on on about your mission or, yeah. I don't know, shot the, shot the zombie in the head, this would have been a non-story. But seeing how that came full circle and Ellie had to grow up in that flashback and that split second from her, like, essentially being shunned away and pushed out by Joe because Joe said, I don't want, essentially Joe's implying, I don't want you to see me like yeah. this. I don't want you to see me back. Leave me. Leave yeah. me. So, but she comes back and saves the day. And then and it's a hell of a lot. And, and shout out to Ellie for, you know, saving this man. I'm assuming saving this man's life. I mean, well, we know she saves his life. Spoiler alert. But she could have at least knocked him out before she started stitching him up, right? <laughs> That's what Yeah. I, like, she had this man, you know, he was in there screaming, gasping, you know, because of the pain. But he could have right. at least knocked him out, give him a two-piece of the head. He would have, you know, been passed out and she would have stitched him up and it would have been fine. But Fact. I thought it was a beautiful episode. I didn't. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Because I didn't remember that part of the game and how it went. I do remember Ellie venturing off by herself, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, in a bunch of cutscenes. So Yep. Uh I yeah, I vaguely remember this next part, like these next two episodes. So I I'm not what's funny is I I wanted to go back and like look up how it you know how it is in the game oh, after yeah. after this point, but I'm gonna wait. Um two more episodes. Yeah, I could Yeah, I could do that. I, I could do doing. that. Um two more episodes left this season. Um They've done incredible HBO. Everybody, you know, that's a part of the production of this uh, of this series. It's been a great adaptation of a video game. Probably, I know it's premature to say, but probably one of the better ones that I've seen. Um, taking something from a video game to the big screen or the the, the silver screen, what they say on TV. So, um, yeah, Dane and I talk about episode eight next week. But before we get out of here, brother. Uh, last week I had our guy Dex on. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, Quantum Mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it and uh, see about uh, how that boy Kang did. About Kang, man, that boy Jonathan Major is going to be in his bag for the foreseeable future. I thought the movie was great. Or question: I thought the movie was good. Mm-hmm. There's a few things about the movie that just kind of bothered the hell out of me and y'all touched on some of them yeah and in the podcast about ant-man junior well what's gonna be her name like when she takes on the mantle of ant-man it's supposed to be stature you're talking about cassie okay. yeah, she's cassie. she's stature okay at least that's okay. what she was in the comics i wasn't 100 sure about that one i wasn't familiar with look i wasn't familiar with her game yeah so <laughs> exactly right, that's that's part of my argument like how she was already like a good ass superhero. Like yeah. I think I talked about it last week, but and go ahead. You you did. And that's one of the things I was like, all right, so she just automatically know how to do all this, like this quick. I'm like, we need more build up. And obviously there's more room for that. There's an opportunity for them to explore, you know, different developmental ways of her becoming and or coming into her own as the ant person. Uh stature. Sorry, my bad. So that was a that was kind of like cheesy to me. Like she realized how to do that. This could it took Ant-Man and she like kept movies she movie. kept breaking away from Kang's minions. I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm like, come on, <laughs> and that's another thing. Like all this tech, this dude ain't had no pin particles, bro. Yeah, you mean to tell me all this stuff this dude and created, he's he's supposed he to be he's supposed to be like most intelligent dude, yeah, like, even smarter than Reed Richards, like. You mean to tell me he wasn't capable of create like and again maybe this is just that one thing he couldn't do because of the limitations being in the quantum realm but I don't I don't know but pin particles bro yeah this is the plot pin particles 
so that part was kind of like, okay, I, whatever. But maybe they'll flesh it out a little bit more about that later on. I don't know. But that part kind of annoyed the hell out of me. Janet's character was phenomenal. I liked her character, but I hate that. I already know what you're about to say. finding out about all this stuff after the fact. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. There should have been a formal debrief about everything that went down in the quantum realm because... It was multiple I'm, times in the movie where she's like, we don't want to oh, do yeah. this. By don't go. Way, don't do it. And maybe that's that's Marvel's fault. Sorry, the mouse, but maybe that's yeah. Marvel's fault for not fleshing out the, by way of a short series or um, a spinoff with her or talking about maybe her in some practical situations where she's sitting down with a therapist recalling what took place or maybe just recalling yeah. with Hank. Ben, just like, for audience purposes. Yeah, just to fill in those gaps so that when we do jump into this movie, there isn't a whole bunch of, oh, by the way, I just so happened to run across King the Conqueror, who happens to be, <laughs> I don't know, the epitome of death and killing Avengers. Like, not mentioning any of this, and it kind of just like, Marvel's way of shoehorning that, very lazy, whatever, kill me. And then lastly, for me at least, I hated the way that they did MODOK. Yeah. It's like, you mean to tell me because Cassie called him a dick multiple times, that was his... That was his main Very cheesy. point. And he was like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be a dick. Maybe I could be a good guy. Like, that. He, like, that's, he died in Avenger. <laughs> yeah, like, no, bro. Like, no. Like, you can do that if he had, like, multiple appearances, like, across, you know, five different movies, right? But it just seemed, like, really cheesy. And, then, you know, I get it. It, it is what it yeah. is. It's a comic movie. I'm not supposed to, you know, be too serious about it. But that was those are some of the major flaws I had. But otherwise... Kane, he, yeah. he was whooping ass, bro. Jonathan Majors in that role is incredible. Um, and like he, his rank, I mean, we saw a little taste of it with Loki season one and Ooh. him being he who remains, but like he, with what he was given and his role in this film, I think he did incredible. Excited to see what he does with the future versions of Kang's that we saw in the post credit scene. One we'll probably see even sooner um, with that second post credit scene, which had him in the Loki season two series. When's that drop again? So, is it this year? Sorry, let me put you on the spot. And then it just further goes back to my original point episodes ago. Loki did all of this. The season one of Loki is still number one for a very good reason. Loki put all this in motion. Uh. Reportedly, Loki season two is eyeing a late summer release date. This summer? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think we both both basically had the same little qualms about it. But overall, I had to kind of take a step back and like, this is an Ant Man film, and so <laughs> this is an Ant Man film. I got you. What what we thought like, and. Dex made a great point last week. Like they're not gonna kill Ant Man in his no, own Hank film. No. Not that Ant Man. They made me kill Hank, Hank Pym because he's not the main. I guy. thought I thought Hank Pym was gonna die. Um, but I felt like the movie wasn't. I mean, it had serious moments, but I didn't think it had that like life or death. Like I never felt like a character was gonna die. Yeah, maybe. you know what I'm saying. Like it didn't have those stakes. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, it was it was a cool movie. Uh, Excited to see what's next with Kang, obviously. Um what is the For next what is the <laughs> what is the next? I'm look up the next the MCU next project. It might be Guardians of the Galaxy. 
uh, Volume Three, which uh, that's the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be May fifth. Uh, so that's the next one on deck in two months. Uh, trailer for that looked pretty pretty cool, and <laughs> James Gunn has said it a lot of times that you know it's going to be a sad one. It's going to be powerful. All the stakes that we kind of thought were going to go into Basically, this one. Somebody dying. Somebody dying. Um, but we'll talk more about that as as we uh, get closer to it. But anything else you want to say before we get out of here on this 100th episode? And we got out of here at one hour on the dot. Wow. Man. 100 episodes, man. What, is that, what does that feel like? What does like? that mean? That yeah. means to me that we have a bunch of people that continue to rock with our annoying asses and continue True. to push play and, and rock with us and listen to what we have to say. Listen, I mean, you know, we don't have much credibility, but we, what we yeah. can say is you know, 100 episodes in, and for the most part, a lot of y'all rock with us through it, so we appreciate y'all for yeah, just tuning for in sure. with us and giving us the opportunity to ramble about things that we enjoy and have a passion about. This has been fun. This has been phenomenal. I would have never dreamed. I mean, we talked about this a lot in high school, even, you know, for the first few years in college. Like, we should, we should, we should do something like this. And yeah. finally doing it. 100 episodes in, man. I have no regrets. <laughs> no not recruits. even one letter. Same, <laughs> no, not even one letter. Same, bro. Happy, I've enjoyed it. I've happy, enjoyed it, happy to be rocking with you on this, man. To the to the next one hundred, uh, for sure. Finally, in the triple, I feel like we. I mean, I always thought we were legit, but now I think we really legit. We got <laughs> this is what it took. We got triple digit episodes. No, disregard all the the cre- incredible guests that we've had on here. All the man. wonderful things that you've put together and created and edited and revised, and all the wonderful people we've had join us. Throw all that to the side. This makes it credible the fact that we've had a hundred episodes. Yep. <laughs> Man, y'all ain't y'all ain't real till you get that hundred in your in yeah. your, so your belt. How, how does this go with us finding you know superlatives now? Like in terms of either, like how does that? Work? I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna have to figure out something. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but tell, tell them, tell them. I, I appreciate you, man. <laughs> of course, brother. I'm happy happy to be doing this with you still, man. But uh, tell tell the people what the YouTube people say. Hey, man, don't forget to hit that like, follow, and subscribe, man, to get all the exclusive content, man. Hit that like button and join the Naughty Gang. And this is when them dudes, they tell you, join their little YouTube channel, and they're going to give you 10 hours worth of videos with only 13.2 seconds worth of content. But we're not going to do that here. You're going to get in with us. You're going to watch an episode or even listen to an episode for an hour, and you're going to get a whole hour, maybe 59.5 minutes of exclusive content directly from your boys because we're not going to leave you hanging like that. But of course, you can follow, like, and subscribe. We appreciate you talking with us. Whatever platform you start listening to, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, all that. Appreciate that, man. Yep. Dang said it best. I'm Deontay Evans. He's Dane Beasley. We the duo. Episode 100. We out. Thank you.